Hello, welcome to our first podcast. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We are two landscape designers who have been working in the field for over 25 years. Through this podcast, Digging Deep, we're going to bring to you our knowledge, our challenges, our foibles, our stories. Boy, do we have stories. Yes, we do. And our ideas to help you create the most unique and wonderful landscapes for you and your family. That's right. And it's fall, thank God. Working in the heat, I don't know how roofers do it, but working in the heat is not easy. And that's why fall is a time to get back into the garden. Absolutely. In fact, fall is one of my favorite seasons. People say to me, what what time of the year do you like? Spring is great. You know, I love the new flowers, though I have to say I've got allergies. But fall is wonderful because it's cooler and I love fall color. Yeah, and we'll talk about fall color and we'll talk about planting different things, you know, to to really get that fall color. But another thing that I tell uh, my clients is this, planting in the fall, we're in... um, October, we have this long slide from October until it gets really cold in late December. So it's a great planting time. The plants will go into the soil. They'll feel like they, you know, they could really start to root in. Then they're going to go dormant for the winter. In spring, it's like they've been in for a year. Absolutely. And while they're going dormant, one of the things that people say is, I don't see much. Well, the roots are really developing. And the funny thing about it is with all of the, which is very serious, the climate change, Um, Spring can go from 60s and 70s all the way up to 90 degrees. And if the plant hasn't really developed a root zone, you're going to see a lot of trauma to the plant. So actually fall and sometimes into winter is a really good time for planting. Right, right. Well, um, another thing about fall is we were talking about pruning. Your grasses are something that, um, your ornamental grasses, they're going to start to look straw color. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's very beautiful. But if you don't cut those down, then when the new growth comes in green, you're going to have a mixture of the dead stuff and the green stuff. So the grasses are definitely one of the first things that you're going to start to give a little, what I call it, a butch haircut. Remember that? Remember the little butch haircut? Look yeah. there, the military cut? <laughs> a yeah. Crew cut. yeah. A crew cut. A crew cut. Sorry, I got a little butch cut. Anyway, um, so that's one of the first things. But then you're, you're going to notice that everything is grown three to five times its size and you really need to prune it back. Absolutely. The other thing that's really nice about fall is, you know, and we mentioned earlier the fall color. I try to tell clients and and, um, if you're going to buy a shade tree or if you're buying a tree because you want the fall color, well, the best thing is to see what color it turns because it's really interesting. Like, for example, um, Chinese pistache, Mm -hmm. Um, they can go anywhere from a really rich red to a purple, to a yellowish kind of red, to an orange. And the only way you're going to be able to find out what it looks like is to buy it when it's turning fall color. Right, if you could do that. If you can. If you could do that. In fact, Chinese pistachio, which is called a ray something. Um, um, oh, yeah. Oh, There's a variety. All Chinese pistachio turn beautiful colors. It'll start with the yellow, ray, it'll go uh, to gold. No. And there's, there's one particular variety that we can never get because everybody loves it because it has such deep fall color. We're going to find it because um, we're so smart that we know how to Google and we'll, <laughs> we'll find the Chinese pistache. But anyway, um, like Michael was saying, if you can um, 
if you could see what color it's going to be, that's great. If not, um, there's many books that'll show you what the tree looks like throughout the season. What I like to do, I like, you know, I plant so in the spring there's something coming up and the blooms will mix with something else. So in the fall, what's happening is all the Japanese maples are going to go different colors. Depending on the variety, some will go deep red, some will go uh, maroon, some will go gold, some will go yellow. And then when I plant, I don't just plant one tree and then another tree 20 feet away. I like to group things so when that fall color comes, it explodes. So a Chinese pistache, the, um, the maples, the October glory, the autumn fantasy, and the Japanese maples, the ginkgos turn yellow. I mean, it's stunning. So if, if you want to plan for fall color, think about grouping them. I think that's a great idea. And I have to say, you know, you talk about little stories. When people talk about fall color, I'm born and raised in California, but I happened to go back east one fall, and I never realized when you talk fall color, some of the, like I was in upstate New York, and I have to tell you, the hills, it looked like someone took paintbrushes and paint cans Mm -hmm. and all over the hillsides. I've never seen such fall color as they do have back east. So, and Roberta's right. I mean, if you start doing in groups, um, grouping of uh, plants and everything, you will get much more vivid color. And for example, the ginkgos, I will tell you, there is nothing like when they turn oh, yellow. Beautiful. Oh my God, they're like golden, golden. Um, it's just, it's am- it's amazing. It's, it's really beautiful. But the, here's the other thing now. Once the leaves turn, they're going to drop. Keith Davies. Keith Davies, thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking of it. Okay, so Keith Davies Chinese pistache, if you can get a hold of one, they're absolutely fabulous color. But like I said, the regular Chinese pistache are as well. But a Keith Davies is a particular variety. And the one nice thing about them also is, and you're right, they're harder to get. They do not, the Keith Davies, they've developed it so it doesn't have the seed pods the and they don't pods. have the berries. They have a richer color and they're a lot less um messy so if in if in fact it's uh, chinensis uh it's uh, pistachio chinensis keith davies that's a variety if you can find one of those definitely buy it even if it's not as big and gorgeous when you buy it trust me it'll get there oh it'll get there it'll get there so um as i was starting to say once the leaves fall and this is a design tip you also have to make sure that if you group these trees and you have beautiful fall color, that once they lose the leaves, you have some evergreens around there in, in a shrub form. And it could even be a tree form too. So, you know, the conifers, they're uh, evergreen. But you want to make sure that you, when everything is bare, your whole landscape doesn't look dead. Oh, absolutely. And it's kind of, it, it's doing things kind of in levels. So in the very back, you put your evergreens and then in front of them, you put your deciduous. Those are plants that lose lose their leaves and especially the ones with fall color. So you get this vibrant color with the dark green behind it. And as Roberta was saying, when they finally do lose their leaves, then you've got this wonderful silhouette pattern of the, the bare branches up against the dark green. If you don't have the evergreens in the background, um, then you're going to lose that that la- layered look, which is such a wonderful effect. Right. Well, I'm sure many, many of you have tried to um, replicate an English garden. And what I find with many um, of my clients is they'll go out in the spring and they'll buy all these flowers, perennials, and they'll, they'll put the landscape in all with perennials. And then fall and winter comes and everything looks dead. 
here's the key. An English garden always has structure, and the structure comes from the evergreen shrubbery around that. Shrubbery. That. <laughs> um, and it's really important. It is important. In. And, you know, if you do want some additional color, and you're right, um, years ago, one of the gardens that I had designed for myself, um, I had planted a lot of perennials. And I remember went through winter and they had all died back. And I thought, oh my God, I really want the yard to look great. So I'd made a list of I was going to replace about 30 or 40 quote unquote perennials that I thought were dead. And I got busy and I wasn't able to go to the nursery for about two weeks. I went back out into the yard and looked. I was making my list to make sure I counted or correctly. And lo and behold, 99% of the perennials were all popped back up. And I only had to buy like one or two more instead of 30 or 40. And my realization, and I'm in the business, was, you know what, be patient. Yes, they go dormant. But at a certain point, they'll start all over again, and you don't have to replant them. So it's one of the things that you have to understand, your yard is transitioning. Uh, just like we transition um, at different times of the year. Well, well, hopefully we don't all drop our hair at one point. Exactly. Because <laughs> it does but not come back. It, it doesn't. But the truth is your yard will transition, and that's a really kind of the nice thing about it. Yes. Yes, it is. I've... Um, I've been on job sites, you know, we plant all through the year. And um, I remember putting in daylilies or hostas. And normally when these plants come in from the nurseries, the wholesale nurseries, they're not marked or they've recycled the carton. So basically you're holding a carton of dirt. Right. I was. No it, it's so funny that you say that because that's one of the things I was going to mention. You know, if you, if you go out to the nursery or if you're showing clients some plants and you're going, oh, Oh, you have to plant these daylilies. They're beautiful, and you sh and it's fall going into winter. You're basically showing them an empty pot, and you're trying to tell the people, "Oh, absolutely, buy this." Well, right. they're buying. I'm, I'm going to pay for this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm paying all this money for an empty pot. Yeah. Uh, somehow, I don't like that. So yes, at different times of the year, and that's um, bringing that up. Fall is a good time for for planting, but it's also a good time because a lot of the perennials will go on sale. Exactly. And they're going on sale because they're not looking amazing. Um, the daylilies maybe have one little leaf on them, or, um, and your salvia is kind of cut back. But I will tell you, you can get great buys. What a nursery normally does is in the springtime or in the summer, they use the blooming plants for their lead item. And that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, and then they, oh, yeah. they can charge premium costs because everyone's going to the nursery going, oh, that's gorgeous. Well, yeah. in the fall, they're not gorgeous, and they're starting to go a little bit dormant. And so the nursery wants, they don't want to have to take care of them, so they're going to reduce them down, knock the prices down, and that's when you can really get some good buys. That's right. You know, um, what what else happens at this time of year are the bulbs that come out. So if you want to put in um, tulips and daffodils for the spring, it's the fall that they go in, and you'll see them on sale. And um, just know if you're going to buy one of those packs of 50, you have to plant 50. Right. 
(laughs) And for those of us that live in a more temperate climate, um, tulips, for example, we're in California, we're in in Northern California, and it doesn't really get that cold. So for tulips, they have to be refrigerated. You have to put them in the refrigerator or cold storage for at least 72 hours before you plant them. For those of you that are living, you know, back east where you actually get snow and, and a nice chill, you don't have to worry about that. But the other nice thing about bulbs, which I love is, and again, a lot of people don't think about it, like daffodils or, or narcissus. You can actually plant them and then after they're done, you know, you let them kind of turn brown and cut the tops off of them and then just leave them in the ground and they keep regenerating themselves and doubling and tripling. And the neat thing about it is you don't have to dig them up and replant them every year and you'll get more of them. And, And one of the, it's my technique, people say, well, how should I plant bulbs? No, you don't line them up in little rows. If you're going for a more natural looking like a wildflower, you kind of put them in a bucket, throw them in the air and wherever they drop, that's where you plant them. Yep, you could do it that way. But, um, you know, the really pretty tulips, the parrot tulips and the others, those are hybrids. So they're not, they might come back the next year, maybe a little bit. But um, if you want the tulips to come back every uh, every year, you have to get the ones that are naturalized. And they're not quite as fancy, but they're still very beautiful. So, so many people say, well, God, I planted them and they never came back. That's because they're very special hybrids and that's what they do. Right. So you have to use the ones that are more naturalized. Okay, so with fall cleanup, I, wanting to be organic and uh, really mulch my garden, and I have a, quite a large garden, I bought a leaf shredder. Oh, okay. Okay, so the leaf shredder, if you have allergy, you know, full mask and glasses, the thing is very loud, but I have 50-plus-year-old trees, and so um, a leaf shredder, I think it's like $129. doesn't cost a lot of money. Basically, what it is, it's it's a a barrel with a weed eater on top. Right, right. And um, you can do wet leaves or dry leaves, but if you have masses of leaves and you put them through the shredder, again put on a mask, put on glasses, and then a garbage bag underneath, and you have your own mulch. And what this does is when you when you lay this over the ground, these dry areas, where we get so dry here in Northern California. I mean, it's you see the, the dirt cracking. It's just we have no rain right. um, for all these months. So anyway, that's a fine layer of compost and nutrients. I think there's thousands of nutrients in those leaves. And um, it once you make that investment of $129, it's going to save you so much money if you're out buying mulch constantly. And that's a great idea. And, um, you know, again, it's it's a renewable natural resource. Your trees are always going to lose their leaves. Whereas if you buy a mulch, a lot of time the mulch, the mulch is, you know, some people use like pathway bark. It floats, it blows away. And the truth is, it's expensive. So that's a great suggestion. I, I love that idea. Yeah, it, it's a good thing to do. By the way, I very rarely um, design in um, bark anymore for the landscape. What I use is a mocha lava rock or a black lava rock because the lava rock, here's what I do. So when we're starting with a landscape, um, you, you know, we're starting pretty much with a clean slate. We'll put down um, a weed barrier and then they cut an X in that and they plant the plants with nice compost and then they're going to run the drip lines on top of that and the lighting lines but then something has to cover that so most people put bark in the thing is especially in a very treed city or area when your landscapers come they're going to blow all that oh, yeah, bark right out yeah. again and that's it's over 40 dollars a yard for bark right so the mocha lava rock is a little more expensive i think it's 44 dollars a yard but it will stay there now if you 
I am not much with a uh, blower. I mean, if I have a blower, my God, everything blows everywhere. Right, right. But the landscapers, they know how to skim it, and it stays down, and it keeps those, um, the all those lines protected from the heat. And then um, you don't have to keep replacing it. So it's called Mocha Lava Rock. And it's available, I think, at most yards now. And it comes in black and it comes in different colors. Some people want a southwest-looking landscape. You could use a lighter rock. It's not the lava rock. But um, consider it as an alternative to bark. If you're going to use bark, then I would say don't put any weed barrier down so it can become mulch. But if you want it to become mulch, don't get the stuff that's dyed. Right. I also use... uh, um, I use some of the natural river rocks, which are really, really pretty. And you're absolutely right. Um, I'm not a blower person because it makes a mess and I'm not very good at it. But what I am, I'm addicted to it is um, I love to vacuum shop vac. So (laughs) what I'll do is, and if you've got the bigger rocks, you don't suck up all the big rocks. But I will tell you, and, and this is my own little thing is like your patios, you know, sure, you can wash down your patios and all of the uh, the dust and the dirt and the debris, you wash it away. But what happens is a lot of times it gets very muddy. So what I do before I'm going to do any washing down is I shop back. I literally vacuum my patio. I vacuum my walkways. I even vacuum my synthetic lawn because it gets rid of all the little grit and everything. And then if you do want to wash it down, first of all, you don't need as much water. And second of all, you don't have all of this grit and dirt and and so I mean but then I'm a fanatic I love vacuuming okay well um, I don't like (laughs) vacuuming and I have a quarter of an acre and you know imagine trying to to vacuum that but all of these things we're talking about are, are really fall things to do it's too hot in the summer and your plants you know when when we're well, here we go over 100 degrees, but when you're over 90, the plants are just sort of tucking in and holding their ground. And again, in the winter, when you're down below 35, same thing, they're tucking in. So you're not going to, you don't want to feed them in the dead of winter. It's like, what are you feeding? They want to go to sleep. You don't, you know, you don't do that. Fall, you could still, we have a few months. If you fed them now, we're in the beginning of October, aren't we? Right, Beginning right. of October. You still have a few months of great blooms. And the one thing that I would suggest is, is um, and I found this has become my best Friend. In terms of fertilizers, I love Super Thrive. Oh, Super th- I call it Superfly. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it is amazing because um, now I use it on my indoor plants. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, what it does is if your plants are looking a little sad, um, again, what's been interesting and, and what's been happening here is it, fall usually you think okay it's getting warm or it's getting cool and then um we're we're able to put on sweaters and jackets and everything well here what's happening is we get a couple of days of cold and then it goes to 90 degrees again then we've got a couple of days of 60 degrees then it's going to 97 degrees it hasn't been consistently cool enough and what what happens when you have that those fluctuations up and down and up and down even plants Fall is a great time, as we said earlier, planting. But you put these brand new plants in there thinking, okay, now it's in the 60s and 70s. It's not going to get hot. And you now get three or four days of 97 degrees and the plant is starting to wilt badly. And they're really looking terrible. If you hit it with a little bit of water and super thrive, it immediately stabilizes 
a plant and it, it can handle the, the temperature fluctuations. And that's what I've been finding in my own garden is because I've been I, I'm wanting to add some new color, some new planting, but I've been putting them in the ground and it's been cool for two or three days and then it goes up to 97 degrees and everything's wilting. Right. You also have to understand that when you buy plants from a nursery, they're, they've had a steady diet of fertilizer, food, you know, whether it's organic, inorganic, it, they're still, and then they're being fed constantly. Then you take them home and you put them into your ground. And um, most people, when they're planting new plants, they don't realize that their their soil's been leached of all the minerals. It's right. been there for God knows how long. So, um, you know, you add a little compost. So um, with the Super Thrive, it's literally a quarter teaspoon per two gallons. Usually a watering can is two gallons. And so it's just a tiny bit. If you smell the stuff, it's like loaded with vitamins. Right, right. But it's it's really a great start for your plants. And it's a great, you know, in between. And if you want to brighten things up, you're going to have a party and you want everyone standing. I call it crack for plants. Right, right. I <laughs> I agree with you 100%, and I, I'm a convert. I love this stuff. I buy the bottles. In fact, I'll even go to a gallon size, so I'll have it around. It is just, it's it's pretty amazing, and it really is good for you and good and healthy for your plants. It is. It's expensive, but again, you're just using a quarter teaspoon per two gallon, and sometimes I put it in my sprayer, you know, attached to the um, hose, and just a little bit goes a long way. Something else you could buy, I mean, there's so many um, of these hydroponic stores, Yeah. and they sell a soluble um, algae. It's called algae? Yeah. It's it's the green algae. And you put a little bit in the water, and again, it's great for plants. So, you know, there's lots of alternatives now that are healthy that you could put on your plants to feed them. But as we go into the deep of winter, don't think about it. You know, spring is time again. But right now, we have time to do that. And right now, we can finally be out in our yards without roasting. Right. So the big thing, kind of recapping, it's pruning, it's planting, it's cleanup, it's weeding. That's something we didn't touch about. You're going to find that there's a lot of weeds noxious weeds around there now's a great time for weeding um it's basic cleanup a uh, little bit of replanting um enjoying and because it is cooler it's a great time to go out there and work mornings are still great afternoons are great too because normally you know in the dead of of winter it's too cold and in the summertime when it's 105 you don't want to go outside you don't want to go outside oh one last note is um if you are pulling noxious weeds the weeds that we have that are really obnoxious are Bermuda grass and um, uh, what's the other one uh, uh, with the nut on the uh, we, uh, oh, nut, nut grass. grass. Nut yeah. grass. Um, if you're if you have a compost pile going, do not put it in there. Right. It will right. just spread. So put right. it put it in the green waste can and get rid of it because you you don't want it in your garden. But it is a good time to to get everything cleaned up. And then you know what you're doing is you're you're putting your garden. You're making it comfy. You're putting right. a blanket on it. You're making everything clean into winter, and you'll you know you'll just enjoy it and then see it again. All the spring blooms. In the spring, it makes a big difference. I think that's important. So once again, I'm Michael Glassman. I'm Roberta Walker. We hope we've imparted a little bit of our knowledge and you've had some fun listening to us. Yes, and this is Digging Deep. You can also like us on Instagram and on Facebook. And we are, uh, if you miss an episode, we're Digging Deep at Blueberry.com. That's Blueberry skip the e and it's just ry <laughs> blueberry.com and then you can click on that in our dip- different episodes if you miss them and catch us there thank you